Drew, are you ready to now stream? I've never been more ready. And you didn't seem like you were super enthused to now stream. Bring on the stream. What was that? that was, I don't know. You, now you're too excited. I don't want that. Never mind. Go back so, to the other Somewhere one. in the middle. Somewhere in the middle. <laughs> this is episode 190 something of Not the Podcast You Deserve. We're talking about stuff you should watch, uh, stuff you maybe shouldn't watch, and uh, a little bit of everything in between. Uh, first, did you see that the uh, the movie rights to the Incredible Hulk and Namor have returned to Marvel Studios this week? Oh, okay. Yeah, who knows what we're going to do with that? Probably nothing good. Um, do you watch the uh, Hard Knocks series on HBO? Only when it's about the Cowboys. Sure. I watched last season. It was about the uh, the Lions. It was really good. <laughs> a report came out that they're asking the Lions to do it again because everyone else has said no. <laughs> they can't <laughs> find someone who wants their team to be under that amount of scrutiny again. It's amazing. Uh, which I get. Um, some box office stuff for you. Elemental. The new Pixar movie mm-hmm. went out and watched it. Took my three year old to go see it this week. Uh-huh. It is not very good. Uh, it made eleven point eight million dollars in the uh, film's domestic opening day, which is the lowest in Pixar's history. Yeah, uh, they got twenty of those dollars were from me. It didn't seem like they even really believed in it because, like, sure, they didn't push it very hard. It didn't look like it was that dynamic. Oof. Uh, they just kind of like left the billboard up and they're like, maybe someone's going to see it. I don't know. <laughs> I saw a couple different previews for it. I was like, that doesn't look great, but like it's Pixar. It's got to be good and it's not good. Not good. Don't know who it's made for. It, there is no like songs or dance numbers or anything. So it's like not for little kids. And they're like very grown ups talking about like grown up stuff. A love story, essentially. And then also a story about it's a story you've seen a hundred times before, but it's just with a fire person instead of with a normal person. Um, I didn't like it. I don't think it's good. There's a bunch of stuff in it that doesn't make any sense. Which I mean, it's a fire person and a water person talking. So what does make sense these days? I don't know. And then I listened to a really interesting podcast, uh, Tim Ferriss show, uh, and he had David Mizell on. Have you ever heard the name David Mizell before? Sounds oddly familiar. Yeah, have you ever heard of Kevin Feige? Okay, yeah. Sure, everybody knows Kevin Feige, and he's the one who created the Marvel Cinematic Universe and all that jazz, the head of Marvel Studios now. Well, this guy named David Mizell is really tired of everybody knowing Kevin Feige's name and not his name, <laughs> so he's coming out and doing press and doing podcasts for the first time, uh, really. But he's the guy who actually started Marvel Studios, um, who created the foundation for the MCU, and then sold it to Disney, and he's like, this is my cash cow, I'm getting out of here. Yeah. Um, it was really interesting, you know, it was interesting to hear someone who's kind of butthurt about, like, he should be, like, famous and well-known, and he's not famous and well-known, at least to the average, everyday-going person. Um, but he was talking about how he had the idea for the MCU, which I thought was brilliant, and I wanted to share it with you. He was talking about how he is like a he was, like, a Wall Street guy or something. He was, like, a Harvard grad, a uh, real smart dude, and he noticed a trend in Hollywood that a new movie is always, like... You never know. Like, it could be great. It could be mediocre. Like, it could do terribly at the box office. Like, it's always a... It's a crapshoot, essentially. And what he noticed is that the sequels, you always know what you're going to get. It's always going to do right about what that first movie did. Sometimes a little bit more. Sometimes a little bit less. But, like, it's a way safer bet than doing it, throwing a new one out there. So his whole pitch to Marvel as to why they should start Marvel Studios was, we just have to make one good movie. <laughs> 
if we make one good movie and we tie everything else into it and it's a sequel of Iron Man, we know what we're going to do box office number wise. We know we're going to make our money back. He's like, we just have to nail the first one. And that's how the idea for the MCU and an interconnected... Amazing. Uh, that's really... It's actually really, really smart. I thought that was just really cool hearing someone talk through about like why we had to connect all these things. It wasn't because they wanted to bring the viewers into this great thematic experiences. No, like we, we want to make a bunch of money off people. Like Toys aside, sequels are the easiest way to make money. And uh, I thought that was really, really cool, really interesting that this the franchise that I love and dominates my life is all a ploy to make money by the man. All things, all things are about how to make take your money. But if you can trade it for something you actually enjoy, you know who's worse for it. Sure. Um, and then the Flash uh, grossed fifty five point one million dollars in its uh, domestic opening weekend, which is a movie we will talk about in our next episode mm. as we break down our review of the Flash. Um, but real quick, um, I saw Elemental, didn't love it. Um, I also saw, I watched, I'm halfway through the first season of The Marvelous Miss Maisel. And have you seen the, the final season yet? No, I have not seen the final season yet. Man, it's so good. They're doing a Parks and Rec thing. If you remember how Park and, Parks and Rec's last season went. Yeah. They're doing the exact same thing okay. with time jumps and... You're seeing the future. Oh, that's sort of stuff. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is not a, I think New Girl also did that a little bit. That's not a bad way of doing it. Um, and then I also went and saw, so Elemental is my my third least favorite movie I've seen this year. It comes in at 10 out of 12. Uh, the 11th movie that I've seen this year, my 11th favorite movie, is The Little Mermaid, the live action uh, movie. It is in theaters. Took my three-year-old to go see that too. And uh, she did not love that either. I tried to explain to her that there was no animation, and that did not stick. Um, Aquafina is cringy as always, and I don't know why she's in this movie. They made some really cool changes. Um, Aquafina's character having a rap was uh, not one of those. Good changes. Um, the guy who played Eric did a great job. The the lady who played uh, Mer- the Ariel, she was also good. Javier Bardem was very confusing. As he normally is. Normally is. And um, I would wait on this one. I would definitely wait for this one to hit Disney Plus in, oh, I don't know, two weeks. Because uh, I'm sure that's when it'll come. But I uh, did not love The Little Mermaid. It is just above Shazam! The Fury of the Gods on my list of wow. movies to see that came out this year. That's high praise. So, No, it's sure not. It's very much, That just means it was released into theaters and I saw it. So, uh, But that's about all I've been watching. What about you, man? Uh, I have been watching one show, uh, really binging it the last week and a half or so, uh, Only Murderers in the Building on Hulu. Oh, okay. Yeah. I had never seen it before. Steve Martin, Martin Short, Selena Gomez, um, it, Tina Fey, uh, a host of other like famous cameos throughout, uh, the premises, it's three random people that live in this old apartment historic apartment building in new york they're all obsessed with the same criminal podcast a murder happens in their building they somehow you know weirdly get connected together and decide maybe we should try to do it and they all have different backgrounds and shenanigans and uh the thing i thought was pretty fun about it is that it is truly shot and filmed like a podcast is delivered like opening 
lines of, ooh, here's some cryptic dialogue and rhetorical questions, laying the trap, like bringing you in. And then you, yeah. and then you get each episode is like a different account of a person or kind of their background and why they might be connected to the murder somehow. And then they kind of advance the plot along throughout it. So to see a different medium of podcasting transformed into, you know, storytelling on a TV show, I thought was kind of a fun thing. Uh, also Steve Martin and Martin short are hilarious. So uh, I laughed just at them. So it, is one of those shows that's easy to binge, costs you nothing. You could stop watching if you wanted to and pick it right back up a week or two later. Uh, but mm. it's also really easy to just sit there and watch three or four episodes right in a row. So uh, we, I actually have one episode left, and I think the third season is coming out later this year. So uh, okay. only murders in the building, or only murders in the building uh, on Hulu. Can I tell you something? Yeah. Martin Short beats me. Like, I can only handle him for, like, ten minutes at a time. He's, I think he's really funny in this. He has, his whole character is, uh, he's, like, a famous stage director. But, you know, okay. one of those, like, famous in his own mind types of things. Like, yeah. he's famous yeah. for having some historic flops. Um, mm-hmm. And he gets into some of those, and they're <laughs> pretty funny about how they happen. Um, the other thing that I watched, I... I Happened to walk by it, and then I got hooked for a minute, and now I, ha- I have to go back and restart it. Uh, but I started watching The Diplomat uh, on Netflix, um, where Carrie Russell and... Um, I love Carrie Russell. Uh, Rufus Sewell, the bad guy from A Knight's Tale. Oh, wow. Count Adamar. Okay, yeah, yeah, now yeah, I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they are... Uh, basically, it's Netflix being like, hey, there's a ambassador you got to go and and make foreign relations with these other people you know the brits and you know whatever string some peace together because they're trying to go fight russia and it all takes place within a short amount of time and it's just following a couple of key characters and their relationships as they're trying you're seeing like the back channeling of politics going on uh over like the course of one week and it seems pretty interesting I watched uh, two episodes. I caught them right in the middle, so I don't know the full story. I got to go back and watch the beginning of them, uh, of the season. But I, watching episode five and six, I was like, I'm in. I can't wait to find out what else happens. It feels very, like, West Wingy to me, where uh, it's people, it's a couple of key characters walking around and talking, and through them talking, you're hearing a bunch of backstory that happened like previously in their lives or whatever. And, um, it, it seems pretty good. So I'm excited to watch that. Uh, the other things okay. I watched uh, movie wise was I had never seen wet, hot American summer before. Oh, wow. Okay. And it just really is a wet, hot American summer right now in Texas. So I was yeah. like, I, I got to do it. And it was okay. really funny. I just laughed so hard. There's no point to the story. It's one of those like nope. classic uh, feeling very like National Lampoon-y kind of movies where you're like, all right, I have six jokes I want to make. Uh, we're going to loosely tie them to a story and then we're going to find the funniest people around to come be in this movie and just like record them and see what happens. Yeah, that movie's ridiculous. There are so many famous or funny people in yeah, this movie. absolutely. And I watched the How Did This Get Made, or I watched one of those Netflix documentaries about that movie. 
and how it came to be. It seemed like a freaking nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> how, they, how they got that done. It, it truly feels... Elizabeth Banks. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It feels like the Caddyshack of our generation, where okay. a bunch of famous people come into a thing. They all have these random scenes and vignettes around it, and the whole story is about golf, kind of. Okay. But then there's like all these random things going on, and now this is like... About summer camp, but then there's just all these random bits that keep going on and none of them are interconnected. So uh, that was really funny. The other thing I watched was Operation Fortune, uh, uh, one of the newer Guy Ritchie movies that came out, I think, at the beginning of this year. Um, Oh, okay. Where was that? Where did you find that? I believe I rented it or bought it. Hmm. Yeah. Because I love Guy Ritchie. Sure. Yeah. Was it good? Uh, it was good. I, I enjoyed it a lot. I, it was not the best of the Guy Ritchie movies. I'd give it a solid B minus. Had a good time. This is this is the war movie, right? No, that's the Covenant. Oh, with okay. Jake Gyllenhaal. Okay. Yeah, this one. Is that one out yet? Uh, yes, and I hadn't seen that one yet. I was about to watch that one, and then I saw this one right underneath, and I was like, "That seems funnier. I'll watch that right now." Uh, okay. But this is Statham. Josh Hartnett, uh, Aubrey Plaza, Hugh Grant, because he's in all of the movies. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's spies that have to go infiltrate somewhere, but they have to use Josh Hartnett, who's actually a famous movie star. And he has to pretend to be, uh, you know, they they basically get him in on the mission. Very much like uh, Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Except that Josh Hartnett doesn't, like, become... The spy, he just like keeps kind of screwing up the whole time. Um, hmm. But Statham does very Statham-y things, which is always great. Sure. Um, Drives and fights. Yeah. So Operation Fortune, I'd give it a solid B minus. If you like Guy Ritchie movies, you'll have a good time. If you don't know who Guy Ritchie is, you're probably going to be like this movie is very average. So sure, take that for what it's worth. Uh, if you don't sure. want to rent or pay for it, wait till it's like $2 and that'll be probably in another month or two. Interesting. Okay, I want to see that one. I want to see the other one, too. I really like Guy Ritchie. And the last thing, and I don't want to do a full Crawford's Corner on it, but you and I need to talk about Craven the Hunter. Man, I just don't understand what Sony's flipping problem is. Like, can they not just make, outside of the Spider-Verse movies, can we not just make, like, one good movie? Can we not just make, like, one good Marvel movie that does, that you... They're trying to put the Sinister Six together. So the interest of Venom, you're going to get Rhino, and you're going to get Craven. And it's just like, okay, what if we just had these guys fight Spider-Man? Do we need them to all have their own solo movies first? Their own solo franchise trilogy? Like Venom first? Like, come on, what are we doing? This does not look like a good movie. I beyond. I thought that I, it did look like a good movie. I'm very it, excited. It looked like a good movie. It looked like a fun action movie. Yeah. It looked like a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah. I don't I don't understand what we're doing. Why are we making Craven the Hunter a animal rights activist who is now hunting bad guys? Like he's an anti-hero? Like I don't understand. Is that what he is that he is he an animal rights activist in that movie? That's yeah, he won't kill animals in the movie because it's wrong, but he'll kill bad guys. That was the whole... Did you miss the trailer? Did you watch the trailer? I didn't see anything about him not killing animals, except for the one time when he didn't kill the lion and the lion freaking ate him. Other than that, that was... The, the, 
I didn't think of that as being like animal rights. I thought that being like I was a scared teenager and didn't shoot the lion. I will bet you money that he does not kill animals because he doesn't believe that killing animals is the right thing to do. But he will kill bad guys who kill animals. 100% that's where they're going with this. I just don't understand, man. Also, why did you cast Quicksilver as this guy if these universes are interlinked? And why is Zeus his dad now? Mm -hmm. I just have so many questions. It does look like a fun movie. It looks like a movie that like Tom Cruise should be starring in that also has nothing to do with Spider-Man, you know? But we got to make it about the about Spider-Man. And I just... I will say... I have so many questions. I will say every time that I see Russell Crowe do a movie now, I just can't help but think about like... Remember when we tried to make him into like a great action star? And with like Gladiator and things like that. It's like... Glad- you shut your Gladiator's, mouth. He was a great action star. Gladiator's a great movie. All right. Don't get me wrong. But... There's never been a bigger dad bod that we've been like, but look how jacked my superheroes are. It's like, he's had a dad bod since he was 20. Like, no. Yes, big time. Even no. Yeah, even Maximus, like, big dad bod. Maximus, back in, he did not look like your action stars look today. That's Correct. True. But that's what I'm trying to say. Steroids running rampant. Sure, absolutely. In the, in the late 90s. Yeah, but <laughs> and, and now seeing what he's, he's working with now, I'm like, man, we, we dropped off a bit. <laughs> Meanwhile, Aaron Taylor's Johnson's abs have pecs, and yeah, he looks good. He he looks he real looks good. good. I think that's the main reason yeah. I'm excited. It's like, oh man, not Jared Leto. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, Morbius. I have still never seen the second Morbius. Oh no, the first Morbius. Yeah. Was there a sequel? No, it was the no. first one I haven't seen. Okay. Yeah, I think they're trying to put all the they're trying to put a web of of villains together to. Face off against like which Spider-Man. By the time you're done with this, like Tom Holland will be 40. Like we gotta, we gotta figure something out here. Well, also I also think it's funny movies. that they keep trying to make them anti-heroes. So that yeah. like you you root for somebody at the beginning, and then like I don't know how they're gonna turn them villainy later, and you're gonna be like, ah, but I get it, you know, I totally get it. Spider-Man did True. absolutely wrong him uh in a way that yeah. he, now he deserves to die. Yeah, it's gonna be Craven, who is Spider Man's arguably Spider Man's greatest nemesis, as he's he's one who actually ends up killing Spider Man. Is uh, yeah, he's an animal rights activist and is not gonna be seeing Spider Man. I don't know, man. I'm not. I'm. It does look like a fun movie in the back of my head. Knowing that they're going to spin this off into a Spider Man thing is just like it's gonna ruin it for me. I'm no, that's a good idea. I'm gonna go in just to see another action movie, and I think I'll really enjoy it that way. I'm going to approach it like it's Bullet Train 2. <laughs> I love that. I or, love that or, it's like, or it's like Tangerine's, you know, prequel series. Yeah, I love, yeah, how Tangerine got on that train in the first place. Yeah. I like that a lot. That is that is now how I view this movie. I appreciate you. Do, and now I'm fired up to go see Yeah, it. absolutely. Thank you for doing You're welcome. Well, yeah, it's the least I could do. Yeah. Anything else, man? No, that's it for me. Stick around as we talk about the most confusing movie of 2023, The Flash. Where the only thing more confusing is Ezra Miller's... Oh my god. I don't think we can post that. Sure, probably not. (laughs) Where the only thing more confusing is how Ezra Miller keeps getting jobs in Hollywood. (laughs) We can use that one.